Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I am Rabbi Michael Bitkowski, and today we will learn a little bit about Tractate Shabbat Daf 24. On Daf 24, we begin. We are beginning our two transition out of the discussion about Chanukah and back into topics related to Shabbat. But before we leave Chanukah, there are a number of liturgical questions that the Talmud discusses. Jewish liturgy, whether it is a weekday, the Sabbath, or a holiday, has a shared structure and foundation. What distinguishes all of these days is how much this shared structure and foundation is modified in order to emphasize the special nature of the day. Many people are familiar with the far-reaching changes in liturgy on days such as Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. On these days, there are whole sections of the weekday liturgy that are replaced with special selections that signify the specialness of the day. In reality, similar changes also happen every week on the Sabbath, with the liturgy emphasizing the special status of the Sabbath day. Another level of change can be found on days such as Hanukkah, Purim, Rosh Chodesh, and the intermediate days of the festivals. On these days, some additional prayers are added, such as Musa for Hallel, but on these days there are also more subtle changes in the liturgy, such as additional paragraphs that are added to both public prayer and private benedictions that are recited by the individual. Today's daf addresses the status of these changes during Hanukkah. The first question asked has to do with Birkat HaMazon, the blessing after meals. The Talmud asks whether one should mention Hanukkah and Birkat HaMazon. The Talmud doesn't ask whether one should mention Chanukah in the publicly recited Amidah, since that answer seemed to be a more obvious yes. So what about Birkat HaMazon? The Gemara presents two possible answers. The first is that since Chanukah is a rabbinically and not biblically ordained holiday, then there is no reason that it should be mentioned in Birkat HaMazon. According to this answer, the origins of the holiday determine what liturgical changes it can cause. Since Chanukah is only rabbinic, then it has limited influence on the liturgy. The second answer is that maybe the recitation of Birkat HaMazon is an example of publicizing the miracle of Chanukah, Pirsume Nisa. Publicizing the miracle is a central aspect of Chanukah, and it affects a number of the festival's observances, the most well-known being the placement of the Chanukiah. Where can we place the Chanukiah in order to maximize the publicizing of the Chanukah miracle? According to this answer, maybe we should be taking advantage of any opportunity to remind people of the miracle of Chanukah. The opinion of one Talmudic rabbi, Rav Huna, is brought. According to Rav Huna, one doesn't have to mention Chanukah when reciting Birkat HaMazon. But if one does choose to mention Chanukah, then they should do it in the Thanksgiving, the Hoda'ah section of the Amidah prayer. While Rav Huna did not think that the recitation was required, he also did not say that it was forbidden, giving people the option of saying it and even suggesting where it should be added. A story is then brought that illustrates the lack of uniformity regarding the mentioning of Hanukkah and Birkan Amazon. According to the story, Rabbi Huna bar Judah came to the household of Rava. He thought of including it 
That is the mention of Chanukah in the paragraph of Birkat Mazon, who builds Jerusalem, Bonei Yerushalayim. Rabbi Sheshit said to them, it is comparable to the Amida prayer. Just as in the Amida prayer it is included in the paragraph of thanksgiving, so too in the blessing after meals it is included in the paragraph of thanksgiving. A similar question was asked about mentioning Rosh Kodesh in Birkat Hamazon. Should there be a mention of Rosh Kodesh in the blessing after meals? The rabbis looked for an answer to this question by comparing it to Hanukkah. If regarding Hanukkah, which is only a rabbinically ordained commandment, you don't think that one is obligated to mention it in Birkat Hamazon, then Rosh Kodesh, which has a biblical source, should be mentioned. But you know what? There's another option. Maybe we don't have to compare Rosh Kodesh to Hanukkah at all. On Rosh Kodesh, there are no prohibited types of work, something that is characteristic of Shabbat and Chagim festivals. So since there are no prohibited types of work, maybe this is a sign that Rosh Kodesh need not be mentioned in Birkat Hamazon at all. The Gemara then goes on to discuss similar questions related to liturgical changes. Should Hanukkah be mentioned during the Musaf prayers? While Hanukkah itself does not have its own Musaf prayer, every year some days of Hanukkah fall on both Rosh Chodesh and Shabbat that do have Musaf prayers. What about Yom Kippur that falls on Shabbat? Should we be modifying the Ne'ilah prayer because it is Shabbat? What about other Yamim Tovim, other holidays that fall on Shabbat? Does one also modify their liturgy? Or perhaps no mention is made of Yom Tov at all and the liturgy stays focused on Shabbat. In the midst of all of this, there is the Amoraic statement that reveals to us a practice that has ceased to be observed. A statement is brought in the name of Rav that if a Yom Tov, a festival, falls on Shabbat, the person who reads the Haftorah, that is, selections from the prophets or writings, Nevi'im or Ketuvim, at Mincha, does not have to mention the Yom Tov in the blessing after the Haftorah, since, if it wasn't for Shabbat, there would be no Haftorah reading at the afternoon service on Shabbat. I don't know about you, but I have never seen anybody read the Haftorah at the Mincha, the afternoon service on Shabbat. Daniel Sperber, one of our generation's greatest scholars of rabbinic literature and practice, has discussed the practice of reading the Haftorah at Mincha in his book, Minhagei Yisrael, The Customs of Israel. Sperber has shown how the practice of reading the Haftorah Minchan Shabbat, something that contradicts an explicit Mishnah, continued for hundreds of years after the end of the Talmudic period into the Middle Ages. From these discussions, we find evidence of a stage in the development of Jewish liturgy when things were more fluid than they are today, when liturgy was in a more formative stage. For hundreds of years, it has been standard practice for Hanukkah to be mentioned in Birkat Amazon. But when we study the Talmud, we are able to go back in time and see a prehistory to our current practice. This is one of the things that attracts me to the study of Talmud. Through studying Talmud, we are able to come into dialogue with the formative currents and opinions of Judaism. We see who is responsible for what opinion or practice, and conversely, whose opinion or practice was rejected. We are able to learn the development behind practices that are part of our lives. I like to think of studying Talmud as seeing the director's cut of rabbinic Judaism. Being able to sneak into the room where all of the editing was going on and to peek at what might have been left on the floor and to gain a greater understanding and appreciation of what made it into the final product. Thank you and Lehi Throat.
I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify. <laughs>